give me a hell yeah. I said, give me a hell yeah. everybody this is double g for the fight game podcast talking the road to wrestlemania monday night raw tons of other wrestling stuff with my partner john larocca what's up man what's up how's it going not bad it would be going a little bit better if i it didn't feel like we had three hours worth of stuff to get through tonight nah we never do our shows are always quick and hour long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's quite it's quite a statement. We did get that a couple weeks ago. We got it in like a, an hour ten. I was like, wow. But then last week it was it was back up. But um, before before we get started, I just want to mention that uh, Duan and I, the the fabulous four podcast, uh, the penultimate edition, the penultimate episode with uh, Sugar Ray Leonard and, and Roberto Duran. Uno Mas, their third fight. That went up on Tuesday, so yesterday. Uh, so folks who are interested in boxing, go download that show and check it out. And um, we will record the final episode, which we are going to call the epilogue, soon and, and get it up soon. And got some other ideas on what to do with that show. So keep uh, keep updated with us, and, and we'll kind of we'll, we'll we'll discuss that stuff. But so I think the first thing we got to talk about, and it's kind of sad. I mean, the show's going to start out pretty sad because there's two sad stories um, this week, and, and it basically happened pretty much on the same day. The first is the passing of Luke Perry, father of Jake Perry, who also wrestles uh, in, around you know Bay Area, around L.A., and also signed to AEW as Jungle Boy. Uh, kind of hard news, Uh you know, anytime any anybody passes away that you sort of know or or that you know someone who's close to them, I mean, it just it sucks, especially because he's he was only fifty two. But you know, me being like the super fan of Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero, it it was really shocking and shock, <laughs> shocking to the point of I would say if I combined Facebook messages and text messages. I probably got like close to 50 people reaching out to me about this. And that's like, I was, I was just amazed. I mean, it, it, one, it shows just the popularity of that show and his character and everything, but just, you know, people know that, you know, I, I'm a fan and, but it was like, it was like if, if someone close to me, you know, had passed away, like that's how many people reached out to me, but man, it, it, it was rough. Um, pretty sad. And, you know, like I said, he's only 52. So, this one, this one was hard to swallow because you know Jungle Boy wrestled last Friday in L.A. for PWG, and I thought that was a good sign. And then it turns out on Monday that uh, that Luke passed. What are, I mean, you got any thoughts or memories or whatever you want to say? I don't even know where to go with this, but I just wanted to bring it up. Yeah, it was a it was a punch in the gut, and um, I was honestly when I saw the news, I was at work and I was on the news. And I just, it's like a family member, right? I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, 
knowing Jungle Boy, working with him. He's such a great kid, such passion for wrestling, passion, you know, and, you know, we got to see at our opera wrestling events for a lot of Jungle Boy's matches, you know, his his family coming down, including his his father, who came a lot for the shows, watched and supported him and supported pro wrestling. He was such a big fan and such a positive, like, the most down-to-earth guy, you know, like, you know, he was just there to support his son, the father supporting his son. And um, I'll never forget a moment. It was the first Cow Palace show that we did for all pro wrestling, the big show. And it was after the show. It was after we were on the locker room. You were there. Big Day was there. Um, and, you know, Luke Perry was there because, you know, Jungle Boy wrestled earlier tonight in the Battle Royal. He did really well. And it was probably one of the, you know, highlights of the night for me that his performance in that Battle Royal. And after the event, uh, our good friend Dave Dutra was there with his family, Melissa and his, his kids, Logan and Stephanie who are my godchildren, and, you know, Logan wanted to meet Jungle Boy. That was his favorite of the night. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, you know, Dave, you know, calls over Jungle Boy, hey, can you take a picture of my son Logan? And, you know, Jungle Boy comes over, kneels over, shakes his hand, they take a picture, and I just wanted to see Luke's face. I just wanted to see what he was feeling, and, like, he pumps his fist gives like a fist pump and just like like almost like tears in his eyes he was just so happy to see his son as a hero to this young kid you know to Mm -hmm. to logan i don't know to me i'll just never forget that and it's just a special little moment that many people probably didn't catch but i'm glad i caught it and uh but he was that he was that guy like you know luke was such a great supporter of wrestling and his son and you know my heart just hurts for you know for for Jungle Boy and and uh, just I know it's going to be a tough situation and and it's going to be tough but you know and I know he's you know he's going to he's still going to be around you know I know it's hard to say you know it's hard to he's going to be there for him you know he might not be there physically but he's always going to oversee Jungle Boy like he's done his whole life so <clears throat> the the photo that Esther Lynn took and posted uh, with Jungle Boy, I think he's like on the second turnbuckle, and Luke and I think I want to say uh, it was a Jungle Boy's girlfriend and his sister. I, I can't tell a hundred percent, but uh, there was Luke and then two younger women uh, who were just like in the rafters, I guess you would say. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know if that's the balcony or whatever, and they're just kind of standing watching. And, and sort of looking down on Jungle Boy. And Jungle Boy also used that in his Instagram photo today where he he talked about his dad. You know, that 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 sort of thing, it just, you know, Luke, uh, like I said, he was 52. Jungle Boy, how, how old is Jake, uh, is Jake? I think he's like 20, 20, 20, 21 now. So, you know, Jungle Boy's really sort of, becoming a you know becoming an adult becoming a man and and as a as a dad you know when you're in that that zone of okay he's not a little boy anymore he's actually growing to be a a, a man like that is a place or that that that's a role where 
you know, his Luke uh, being able to charter through the waters of of what he had to do as a celebrity back then. And, you know, Jungle Boy has it on a, on a much smaller level. But imagine you're 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 starting to, like, get big in the business a little bit, you know, he, and he's not big yet. But, you know, I think a lot of people think that he can be, especially, like you said, with with uh, with with Logan, you know, looking at at Jungle Boy. And, and, and that's like with kids, I think he can really be something. And like his dad was able to experience that and, and to be able to go, hey, you know, how do I sort of deal with this? You know, how do I deal with all of a sudden, you know, lots of requests for my time? Like, how do I, how did you deal with, like, that is the moment where I really, that that's where my heart breaks because I'm like, man, you know, when you're a parent, you have so many experiences and you want to pass them off to your kids so that they handle them in maybe a better way than you did. And him not, not being able to do that, you know, that's where, where my heart breaks because I look at my, you know, my, my, uh, my youngest or my oldest is only two years younger, two or three years younger than, than, uh, than Jake. And I'm sort of going through that now, right? Like there's some sort of distance that you got to you got to have with them, but at the same time, you just want to hug them tight. And, and I'm sure that's where, that's where Luke was. And, and so that, that's where I'm just so brokenhearted about it. But, um, you know, all is not, uh, super super duper sad because god like luke was so he's just such a like a a big star and continuously working and proud you know i i imagine he lived a a really great life um it just sucks that he didn't get to to you know live it a little bit longer um i will share the one I, i i've probably mentioned this on this show and i and i i wrote it up and i tweeted it out but you know, the one time that I got to meet him was at the, um, was it the second, was it the, it was the second show, wasn't it? The second, uh, Cow Palace show where I got to yeah. meet him. Yeah. So, you know, he's just in the crowd and I was telling people like, oh, you know, if I get the chance, I'm, I, I want to say hi to him. I don't know what I'm going to say. I'll probably look stupid, but I just want to, you know, introduce myself and say hi. And then the moment came and I, and I did it and, um, you know, I just, I, I think I told him I really liked the Ric Flair doc documentary that that you know he helped produce and then i mentioned i it's a stupidly mentioned like a, a an old episode of 902 and 0 where the two characters uh uh dylan and uh and david silver are watching an edge and christian match from smackdown and and in both times he goes uh he goes you know what can i say i just love wrestling and so the one but the one thing that i will remember is you know, when you shake somebody's hand, it's usually like, with especially with another guy, it's like very sort of firm and strong, and it's kind of like a just a mano e mano moment. But with Luke, he kind of like he he like grabbed my hand with both of his hands and like like hugged my hand with his hands, and he goes, he goes, I'm Luke, and in the back of my mind, I'm like no shit right like i know exactly like but that was just he's like i'm luke and he that's how he you know he shook my hand so i'm I'll always remember that and you know like i said just you know when you're a big fan of somebody like that you're gonna remember that encounter but um such a bummer and uh and i i think the best way that uh that jake and you know can can do his thing is just to further his career and 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 you know get where he wants to get and and because that's it you know his dad was having him like wrestle when he was like really little right like Dutra was saying that he was on a show where 
Jake was like 13 or something? I don't think younger than that. I think it was like, I want to say even younger than that. I want to say like seven or eight. He did some stuff like on the Indies in LA and then he came up to San Francisco, did some stuff for his pro, uh, approach and that's now now no longer around called Foxy Wrestling. I think he did something with Luxury and there's always that connection Rick and Luke because of, you know, that moment when he, you know, when Jungle Boy was so young and, um, yeah, it's just, uh, sad, you know, that, that's, you know, I got to talk to him too. I remember talking about the doc and he was sitting on the rail with me and we we're just watching the show and he just like, so like, you know, he just loved everything about it and so proud of APW, proud of what we're doing and so supportive and such a cool guy. And it just, it's just, this is, this, this one sucks big time. Like yeah. I said, it's, it's, it's like a family, it's like a family member passing away and, and, you know, and I just feel so, so much for his family and and all that. So, yeah, I'm I'm in a you know I'm in a community of people in social media where, you know, we're we're big fans of the show and we're all sort of around the same age. And um, you know, when it happened, my entire Instagram feed was like nothing but pictures of him, and. You know, and and also just friends who are my age, like it's a big deal because he's such a he was such a celebrity in that time, and and um, you know, it's it's almost like uh, there's a saying where they say you know something to the effect of you know uh, something about you know bringing roses to the funeral is great, but you should bring you know soup when they're sick too, meaning. You know, we remember people when they pass away, but let, let's also remember them when they when they're alive, right? So if you have family members or you know friends that you haven't talked to in a while, like man, like this is just another reminder. Like you know, reach out to your people, man, and and you know, because sometimes you know life moves so fast that we just forget, and and stuff like this happens, and you're rem- you're reminded immediately, like oh man, you know, I gotta, you know got to make sure I talk to that person who I haven't talked to in a while because you never know what, you know, you never know what could happen. So um, the other, the other one that, that was really sad was uh, King Kong Bundy. And that one was uh, surprising as well. Cause you know, not he, he's older than Luke, but he's still, he's only 61. And um, you know, he is part of the reason that I, at least I think that I became such a big wrestling fan. Cause that angle on Saturday night main event, from 1986 that was like the moment where i was like okay i need to watch this every week <laughs> and uh and that angle you know leading into wrestlemania 2 uh that was like the moment for me where it just clicked and i was like okay i really really like this stuff and i'm starting to understand what it is so that you know that was another one and and i always i always thought that he did such a good job with that hogan angle um, that the rest of his career was kind of a letdown with the way WWE used him, but um, he did have you know he did have a little bit of longevity because he came back in the in the mid nineties, didn't you know didn't have a, a great run, but you know was able to come back and you know he was able to do stuff like I remember him being on Married with Children and then he was kind of doing the acting thing a little bit, so you know he was able to maximize on his visibility 
you know, this is why Vince doesn't pay the jobbers on TV or doesn't doesn't pay you to do TV TV matches because you're getting the visibility for, you know, for free or whatever. And he was able to do that. But yeah, again, it's, it's just another name that you hadn't, th- you know, you hadn't thought about King Kong Bundy probably in, in, in months and months and months. And then boom, it happens. And you're like, ah, oh, God, you know, I, I, yeah, I forgot how much I liked him. Yeah, I mean, I liked him too. I mean, as a kid, he's one of those larger than life characters. When you first start to watch him wrestling, it kind of really captured captured your attention because I mean, he was such a uh, was a gorilla condo, the walking condominium. Yeah, I believe. Yep. that was his, uh, and uh, he was just so massive and wide and big. And you got, you know, guys like Andre and King Kong Bundy and Hulk Hogan, those guys are so huge. Like you just, they're bigger than life, right? So. I mean, one of my all like one of my favorite looks in wrestling too. I just, I just, I just, I always enjoyed watching the big, the big men, and he could move. You know, he he was you know pretty pretty fast for his size and and agile for his size. Like he I thought he had a really impressive avalanche in the corner and a big splash. And you know, I really did enjoy his uh, cage match with uh, Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania too. And you know, I thought it was you know, you know, I'm that's <laughs> probably. People are not going to be like, oh, my God. We, we, no, seriously, it was entertaining. It was, good. It, was, it, was, it was like, for that time frame, you know, a really good match and, you know, good Hogan performance and good Hogan villain. And so it all was just I, – I enjoy watching that one. I, I think I'm going to I'm gonna bring that one up and watch it again just for – I always do when, when a wrestler passes away, you know, kind of just my way of – Tributing is just kind of rewatching their work, so I think I'll definitely watch that. And uh, and I, you know, I'm, it was funny '94 when he came back to the WWF. I was pretty excited that mm-hmm. he was coming back because you know it was a callback to when I was younger. And and he still, you know, he still did well. He wasn't put in. I think he his biggest program he had was the Undertaker. I think they wrestled at WrestleMania yeah. as well. Yep. Um, but I think he wrestled a. I remember he wrestled Shawn Michaels in a match. I think it might have been a king of the ring qualifier or some something like that if i remember correctly and i just remember being excited to see that match because it's such a unique clash of styles and i always like those kind of matches so and to go back to married children you know like the bundies were named after king Kong bundy and the roads were named after dusty Rhodes. <laughs> that's cool yeah. uh, and you know just to go back to 86 you know when i'm i'm 10 rest i i feel like if you were born in the 90s you were born when wrestling was kind of cold until it came back in the late 90s. And, you know, when I was growing up, like, I mean, Hogan never lost, right? So every time there was a possibility that he was going to lose and, you know, they, they would play it up really well in the match. And this is sort of going back to that cage match that you're talking about. Just the glimmer of thought that Hogan was going to lose. Oh my God. Like my, my heartbeat like sped up. Like (laughs) that's how it was watching, you know, watching back then. Now, you know, today, like if you're watching, uh, you know, Seth Rollins or whatever, like the, the, the wins and losses happen so frequently, everyone wins and then loses and wins and loses. And the championships change so frequently. It's so different these days. And I, I don't imagine that. I think I think your heart rate probably goes up based on the excitement within the match and, and how good the match is rather than the drama and the suspense, which is, you know, the good stuff back, back when I was younger was all about the drama and the suspense and the possibility of your favorite person losing 
and that that's the, I think that's sort of the difference in in you know in the eras now and, and people in the 70s would probably tell us you know you and me they're like oh yeah you know you thought the drama and suspense was good and you know that time like you, you should have been born 10 years earlier I think every generation probably says that but that that's kind of the difference I, I think we you know when when I'm 10 and I'm watching Hogan in the cage match and and you know Bundy has a possibility to win and I'm like oh my god I can't believe Hogan's gonna lose it, it was like meaningful it, it meant something to mm-hmm. you know to me at that time so um uh, so let's, uh, let, let's move on. Uh, I'm going to skip the next story and we'll go back to it. Cause I don't want to do three sad things in a row, but, uh, MLW's intimidation games was over the weekend. They did a one hour special on BN and there were, there were two matches. There was a, a, a Lucha tag team match. And then there was the main event, which was, um, Tom Lawler, filthy Tom mm-hmm. against uh, Loki in, in, in a, in a cage match. Uh, what did you think of this hour of professional wrestling? Um, it was the fun hour. It went by really, you know, went by really fast. Um, I thought the the opener tag with the Pentagon Junior, Ray Phoenix versus Laredo Kid and Tarus was uh, was a good match. You know, exactly what it needed to be. A lot of action, a lot of spots. Um, I got tired of it. Like it went, it went to a commercial break, and like honestly, after the commercial break, I was already done. And they went longer, you know. I was like, I've seen enough moves to uh, just. I was kind of just kind of the sense I to it. I was like, like okay, well, I'm I'm ready to move on. You know, I've seen like ten thousand moves already. What do you think um, about Cornette calling thought, that that match? It was so funny when when that was his. You know, I don't know if he called the match earlier, but that was like his first. Match. But, you <laughs> yeah, know, he, he did. Um, he did a great job, you know, like he was trying to make it all make sense and put over the guys. And, and I thought I, you know, he's trying to make their offense mean something and why they're doing it, what they're trying to accomplish it, what damage they're trying to do to their opponent. Um, he seemed to really like Tarus a lot. I could tell, um, he's really putting him over pretty strong. I was waiting for him to call him Mantar. <laughs> yeah. I know you did manage Mantar at one point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I thought he, I think he did a great job. He did a fantastic job in that cage match. Holy cow, he was doing great. And I thought the cage match was was good. Definitely better than the title change. Um, the only thing I didn't like about the cage match, I wish they would have almost flipped the rules a little bit. Where if you eliminate your opponent from the cage that you win, like, you know, you can toss them over the top of the cage or through the door to the floor and then you win, right? Yeah. Not escape the cage because, you know, when they're, they're fighting on the outside of the cage or hanging off the cage and they're both kicking and punching each other, it's kind of stupid in a way because if you knock your opponent down and he hits the floor, he's going to win, right? And they even point that out, Yeah, you know? So I think that kind of was kind of, interesting to me but um i think there was something with the time right like i think they i think they were maybe building towards the finish and then they were told like nope you guys can't go home yet like you have more time that you need to stretch this out i I think something like that happened no maybe but um yeah i mean i'm sure i'm sure it did but like you know i just thought i thought that was that was pretty good i really liked the the body of the match you know the i thought the finish you know they did a great job of trying to 
create your drama, but at the same time, it's like you're thinking like, well, if he Tom Lawler knocks off low key, <laughs> then low key's a champ. And why does low key just you know let go? And, and yeah, that's pro wrestling. And I thought the angle afterward was was pretty good with um, with Simon Gotch, uh, Joseph Samuel, who now is who used to be the Almighty Sheik. Oh, is that what he's and, going by? He's going by. Joseph Samuel. Yeah, Joseph, yeah, Samuel, and um, and um, Jacob Fatu, um, our APW Universal Heavyweight Champion. Yeah, I mean, he gets um, the who, big, he gets the biggest moment of the night. Yeah, he gets the uh, Superfly splash on the top of the cage, which was awesome. I'm so glad that Jacob's getting eyes on him all across the world now, and uh, he's 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 something special. He's the one that. You see, you see him once. You'll want to come back and see him again because he's just, uh, he's just a super talent. So, um, yeah, I thought I thought it was a pretty entertaining show altogether. And um, I just, I would, I, I wanted, if I was gonna do it, I would add one extra segment, and that was an interview with Tom before the match, to kind of like in the locker room, but go into the cage match with low key. Yeah, that was your space. feedback for the last show too. Is that they needed to do a little bit more building up the importance of the match? Yeah, I, I mean, I like the interview with uh, Serena De La Renta. Um, with like they're doing like a media blackout, and I could say that that she is so good. Like she is fantastic. Um, she's gonna get swooped up, <laughs> I would think, sooner than later. But um, yeah, I mean, I just think that we needed to come out of that. Uh, um, tag match with a interview with with Tom Lawler, the champ, yeah, and give his thoughts. I think I just think, I just think that show needed that. Uh, yeah, so I guess Tom's next defense is going to be WrestleMania weekend. They have two shows. One of them is a live battle riot special, and then the other one is a TV taping. And I think he's facing Jimmy Havoc for the title in the, in the TV taping. And I guess the, the, the hit, the story of that match is maybe, I think Havoc is the last guy to beat Tom before he won the title or something like that. So that's the story. And, uh, and yeah, I, I mean, it was an entertaining one hour show. I loved hearing Cornette's voice again. It was great. Yeah, it, it made me, I, it made, it made me think of that show as like a clash of the champions. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, it definitely gave it that major league feel. And, I really want to hear Shivani and Cornette together. That'll be That'd fun. Be, I hope they do. I'm sure they're going to do it. I just, I, I'm looking forward to that when that happens. Okay, so back to the bad news again, which is uh, Tommaso Ciampa, the NXT champion, is out for a while. It sounds like with a neck injury, and WWE even um, announced that he was going to have surgery. Uh, Dave. Dave broke it last night on Wrestling Observer Radio. He broke it on the show that he and I did. And um, sucks, man. <laughs> like, the guy oh, was man. absolutely on a roll. But from what I understand, like, he's he's kind of been dealing with, you know, dings and these, you know, I, I, I imagine his this isn't just like a, a freak injury to his neck. I imagine he's probably had, you know, some issues with it in the past. But it just sucks because, you know, he's, he's on a roll and... He's doing, you know, some of the best work of his career, and he's the champ, and he was going to head up against uh, Johnny Gargano in probably his biggest match, and it's all taken away because of the neck. Yeah, I mean, he definitely was doing his best career stuff right now, and big opportunity for him to be on the main roster and, and 
probably going to be a featured player because he definitely deserves it. He definitely is the main eventer, and yeah, just this what a what a tough break, and then you know having that knee injury and taking time off from that, and then after they did the big angle, but luckily you know he still had steam coming out of it, and they built him up. They they did a really good job of building his heat back up when he came back and then building to his championship win and then you having this great run, this great program. And it kind of sucks that this is, you know, we're not getting the final payoff, I guess, of Gargano and Ciampa. And, um, man, I, just, I hope he comes back from it and that country is pretty serious. And, and uh, yeah, that's, I'm bummed because, but, you know, it's real life stuff. And, and you know, I think I, from understanding, he's been dealing for a long time, even back when, you know, maybe as long as the, I think, I think back when we saw him, you know, at, here in San Jose, mm-hmm. it's, been, it's been something he's been working through and then it's been getting worse and worse. And I mean, I, you know, maybe he's, he was going to try to hold out to Russ at WrestleMania weekend and, and, but maybe it's just too serious. You don't want to risk the guy, you know, being paralyzed. So. Absolutely. Now, thinking like the booker that you are, you you have to fill in. Uh, you have to gre- basically create something out of nothing to uh, to build to take over, which is in um, a month. And so, they, you know, the Gargano and Ciampa was 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 going to be the match, and now you have to sort of figure it out. Like you you haven't even taken the belt off the poor guy yet. And now what's the main event? Like, what do you, what would you do if you were in this situation? Uh, just quickly thinking about it right now. Um, I'd probably, well, you're going to help. You're obviously going to have to hold the title up. Right. So I would put the title up, up in a four way with Matt Riddle, Johnny Gargano, Velveteen Dream, the North American champion, and uh adam cole and i would just have a just i would probably put over see gargano's going to the main roster now right after this correct that's why i believe he's on the roster main roster now it's kind of weird there's kind of a weird situation with this nxt guys because like are they they staying in nxt well well, the graphic the chiron still shows them from nxt even when they're introduced on smackdown interesting okay because because you know i don't know if you can hold off gargano's win I i think he had to crown him champion but there's also a good there's a good thing that you can do something new and have Matt Riddle just win the title and and be the guy and, and build around him. Or you can – I still think, you know, Adam Cole is, is – is, should get a shot with that championship. I think be a great heel champion and Bob people could chase him. But you are also just coming off of a heel champion, so maybe you want to end it on a high note. I have a feeling that Gargano is going to walk out with it, but, you know, if it was me – and I had Gargano a little longer. I would build up like this is his moment and then do something where he's just screwed out one more time mm-hmm. and then build up to him chasing it and maybe winning it at the SummerSlam takeover, you know, against Adam Cole. So or what about what or what about the takeover that we're supposedly gonna get in San Jose? Yeah, I've been mean, hearing about that. That's 
I mean, I hope it's true. That's going to be awesome, man. I hope, uh, I hope, uh, that is that official. <laughs> um, I, n- no, I, when I asked, uh, big Dave, he said it wasn't, but I think the, the theory is, is that, so they announced money in the bank for the, the may pay-per-view. And so usually the takeover is the weekend of the, you know, I guess what the big five or whatever, Uh, because I think Money in the Bank is included in that. And so they didn't want to do two takeovers in a row month, you know, back to back months. So they're going to attempt or experiment with a standalone takeover. Uh, I think I think Raw will be in the Bay Area that monday so it'll be like saturday takeover and then monday raw but um but yeah that's the idea so they don't have to do back-to-back months of takeovers yeah i mean i'd like to see gargano chase and mean something i think if he just wins it in a random four-way i don't know i i would just kind of hold off to where like you tell the story you're like you know this is going to be it it's gonna be his night but then it gets taken away from him. Maybe he has the pin on someone. The article steals it. He's a champ. And then you have the Undisputed Era's top heels and Gargano and company, you know, work with them. You know, add riddle to that mix. You know, yeah. so maybe, you know. It's interesting. And the whole the whole NXT call-up thing kind of, for me, threw a, a monkey wrench on a lot of the NXT plans. So we'll see how it's going to turn up in a couple weeks here. Jay White and Will Ospreay had a match in the main event of the anniversary show, which was actually this morning. Uh, I wa- I got to watch it. How much of that show did you watch? Uh, I knew we were recording tonight, so I just I was only able to just I made sure I watched the main event. I, I do want to go back and watch uh, Liger and Ishimori. I heard that was pretty good and i kind of want to go back and watch rapungi and um uh bushi and takagi so i'll check this out so i yeah i i didn't watch anything else either i heard the show was really fun it was it was uh, i think it was like right around three hours so it's not it wasn't a super long show but um coming out of the show uh if you have not watched it and you want to watch it then just fast forward for like 30 seconds but uh, it looks like it looks like the um, the what what came out of this show is that Ishimori uh, called out anyone from ROH for the match at G1 uh, at the G1 Supercard at Madison Square Garden, and Dragon Lee came out and accepted the match. So they're gonna have a match at Madison Square Garden, and um, I think now I don't know a hundred percent. But I think that if like one of the plans is for um uh now why did I forget his name who the 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 junior heavyweight who got hurt and by Dragon Lee oh uh uh Hiromu yes Hiromu I think the idea is for Hiromu to appear soon ish. Um, and maybe at MSG uh, or maybe at, you know, one of the um, 
G1 shows or something like I think I think one of the ideas is for him to kind of be like a, a surprise Dave Dave mentioned it in the observer last week that kind of the, the thing was was for him to reappear in, in a big way and so um, so I, I you know I, I think he's coming back soon so we'll see we'll see what happens with that but uh, yeah so that's that's the uh, that's what came out of that show and then they also have the dates for uh, all the G one stuff. Uh, the yeah, finals. The finals are going to be August twelfth. So yeah, I saw that graphic, and it was funny when Dragon Lee came out for his match. I think it was like in an eight man tag. I was like, oh, there's the next challenger free mm-hmm. Ishimori. Because I, you know, I, I honestly, I just, I didn't really, I just knew the title, the title matches. I didn't know the undercard as much. And so I didn't realize that Dragon Lee was on the show, and then I see that him, you know, when I was fast-forwarding to get to the main event, I was like, oh, Dragon Lee's on the card. And then when I fast-forward, I saw him confront Ishimori. So I'm like, okay, I guess Ishimori retained. And uh, it's interesting, he said he called out anyone from ROH to challenge him, so that I guess... Does that mean Dragon Lee signed with ROH or, or... Well, that was the rumor, right? That he was gonna kind of with that those guys. yeah. I know. I always heard that you know they were going to sign him. I just I didn't know that I meant that this is a way to make it kind of official. But I haven't seen an official announcement from ROH's side. So. Yeah. Um, so the match was uh, really good. Like you know, I, I I'm sort of like I don't know. I it, it was it was the the type of match that I really like, which is Jay White's style is. A little methodical, you know, slow starts, tell a story. And obviously, Osprey, his style is super high flying, you know, these, you know, Herculean comebacks where he, you know, jumps 20 feet in the air. And uh, it was a, so it was a nice blend of, of, of a match for me. Um, the pro- I think the problem, and, and this, is, this is a problem in, in sort of, any match where you kind of know where things are going is like I just didn't buy that Will was going to win the match, right? Like I just I was like, okay, like Will Will Osprey is not main eventing Madison Square Garden. It'd be cool, but you know we I knew that, and so the whole match I'm just trying to figure out how they're going to 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 finish it, and it sucks. It sucks watching a match that way. Sometimes I just can't get my mind out of it. But um, outside of uh, the one spot where I kind of got confused in the end, which is right near the finish, when um, Will went for his 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 finisher, and then I guess Jay caught him and like dropped him, and it, it just looked like Will hit like a crossbody or something, and I was like, huh, I didn't really get how that was was for Jay, and then they went to the finish and they won, uh, and Jay won. But uh, other than that, like I really liked it. Like it, it you know, it wasn't a five star match or anything, but it was it was really good. It was, you know, one of the one of the better matches uh, I've seen this month. And what it what it did though is it made me want to go back and watch that Pac match, which everyone is saying is, um, you know, is clo- as, as close to five stars as you can get without it being five stars, uh, because you know Will is, you know, he still probably does a little bit too much, but he's really stepping his game up you know, with the opportunities to wrestle these heavyweight matches. Yeah, I thought, I thought the match was really good. I had about, I had like four and a quarter stars. Um, like you, I think, I think you see the crowd too. Like, it got pretty hot. It got hot 
towards the end, like it's building to higher ratings, say, but like I think the crowd at the same time, because no, no titles are online. It was the heavyweight titles online or the never open weight title. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. There was so, so even, I think even, people already kind of knew the result. <laughs> I mean, I mean, even, even, but, but my sort of mentality was, oh, you know, Will's not winning the, winning the title and it wasn't even up for grabs. So he could have won the match at, you know, theoretically, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But that would be a, that'd be a stupid move to keep <laughs> him honest. I, yeah. I think <laughs> so. Match. But I really liked the match. I, I, I liked the beginning of the match definitely a lot. I liked the, definitely the first half a lot. I loved like that, you know, Jay, Jay White's really good and he's really really stepping into this championship role. I felt like he was a champion. I liked how he had an answer for everything that Will had. I liked that Will had to take chances to gain the advantage. So that's his style. Um, I like the focus on uh, Osprey's ribs. Mm-hmm. I like that story and how he kept going back to it. I mean, I had some nitpicky stuff, but it's just like, like, like for example, like on the floor when Jay White hits that back suplex, and then, and then all of a sudden he picks up Osprey again. Now Osprey's like has strength to kind of block it mm-hmm. or a suplex. But then this is where Jay White finally picks him up and slams it to the, into the ring post. That's what injures his ribs. Um, I thought maybe like you don't need to do the back suplex to the floor. Like he just gone into the suplex spot into in the blocking into the ring post. I thought that was like one move too many. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a moment in the match where. Uh, Osprey goes for the Stonebreaker, but he can't lift up Jay White because his ribs are hurting, right? Mm-hmm. But later in the match, he's able to put Jay White on his shoulders, climb to the second rope, and do it some. <laughs> and like, for me, that, that it just took me out of the match. Even though as pre that move was, like, you're already here. To, I'm already buying into your story of like your ribs are hurting. You're having a hard time using any kind of power to get any offense off, but you're able still able to have strength in your legs to spring and deliver your high flying. Uh, yeah. So, so I was into like, like I think this one, this match particular for Osprey, I thought it was one of the better matches where his high flying style actually made logical sense. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, like, cause you know, he's, it just kind of all fit together. I just, there's a couple things like that that kind of like threw me off a little bit, but, but that's like, I mean, that's like every Osprey match, right? Like yeah. you have to, oh, yeah. you have to deal with that. In order, like it's almost like um, sometimes, like you when you watch that stuff and you go, ah, that you know that doesn't really make sense. And then he does something ridiculous, and you go, okay, well, I, I forgive you because that was so ridiculous. But yeah, yeah. but uh, but yeah, I mean that's just kind of mo- most of his matches. But you know, the one thing that I will say about him in particular is um, selling for the sake of selling is really good now. The, like like I mentioned, the Herculean comeback is uh, sometimes too much, but he 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 does sell. Uh, you know the the opportunities that he has to sell, I, I, he sells it good. The problem is just that sometimes when he does that Herculean comeback, it just you're like okay, like you were just selling. It's, it's kind of similar to the Young Bucks, right? Like like they'll they'll sell sell sell, and then all of a sudden like super kick out of nowhere and you're like oh your back hurt how did you stand up and then they fall and collapse and it's just like that kind of selling some people love it and some people don't really like it as as much but that's kind of how you how you have to watch that match 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, he he does a good job when he registers and and he sells and and all that stuff. Sometimes I think he oversells a lot, like just a little too much, a little too goofy for me. That's sometimes that can just take me out of the matches. But I mean, he's he's extremely talented, and I think he's he's definitely he definitely knows. Like I like his connection to the crowd. I like him how he interacts with the crowd through the match. I think that's 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 superstar stuff. And um, I just hope he stays healthy, man, and, and keeps it all together. Because I'm curious to see him. And I'm, I'm, I think it's we're, we're, it's going to be pretty special to have him in G1 this year. Um, I think there's no doubt he's in it right now. He's a heavyweight division. Um, I think we're going to be in for some some great matches. Whatever block he's going to be in. I mean, all those matches are going to be must-sees, you know, because I'm curious to see him work with the guys in different styles and and see how he does there. So, uh, I, I, in a bit of news that I'm not sure if you even heard today, because it just came out a couple hours ago, but uh, Jim Ross said that he is going to be done with WWE by the end of this month. Um and you know Ross hasn't really been doing much for them, if anything. And um, you know I think part of the reason that uh, that that Vince had even you know sort of resigned him was just to keep him away from other other groups. And uh, but Ross said on his podcast that he recently spoke with Vince. They mutually agreed to part ways, noting that he would not be part of the WWE after his contract expires at the end of the month. Uh, he still wants to do stuff. Obviously, he's not with you know access anymore either. So he is ultimately a uh, a free agent at this point, and and we'll see what happens. Which is funny because you know the raw that we're actually going to talk about in in a little bit. Ross is sort of with the company and not yet with the with the company. So you know he if this is his last sort of official stay in WWE, I'm sure he'll go back and do stuff like, you know, the Hall of Famers do. But if but if this is last day with WWE, we're about to talk about a Raw where he's mm-hmm. gonna debut. So that's kinda kinda crazy timing. But yeah, so Ross Ross will be done. And uh I um, I think I think the main question is is does AEW want him and do they want him in the role in which he probably wants, which is uh, announcer, you know, lead announcer, lead play-by-play guy. I, I actually think he's probably better suited as a color guy these days. Um, but, you know, he does have a lot of experience being WWE's, you know, sort of player personnel guy in a sense. Um, and, and you know, AEW's in a brand new company and they're, you know, it would be great to have someone with experience in roles of dealing with talent and, and, you know, books and stuff like that. So it's interesting. I, 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 I just don't know if, if he is uh, one of their guys or not. It'd be interesting. I, I, I think he'd be, I think AEW should get him. And I think a color position is a good idea. I also, cause you know, Alex Marvez is going to be the, main play-by-play guy, but what if he's not up to par, right? What if he doesn't, he's not, not as what you want. So then you have Jim Ross right there that can slide into the play-by-play and you can get another color guy, you know? So, so you know, you know what I thought would, would be cool 
um, because they wanted to do that, you know, I, who, who knows how they're exactly they're going to book, but, you know, they've always talked about doing like that Mid-South style and wins and losses matter. And, you know, the, the, the GM uh, or, um, you know, the, that sort of commissioner thing is so overdone, thanks to WWE. But imagine if you had a Jack Tunney-like president again, where he's only ruling on like the really top tippy top stuff and you had JR play that role i think it'd be pretty interesting because he helps get stuff he he helps get stuff over and he you're not overusing him um you're you're you, you're using him in a role that is essentially you know Bill Watts you know kind of role which mm-hmm. is which is kind of cool if you think about it and uh, and yeah, like I I, I would I, I I thought that would be a cool role for him, but I also wonder if that would be enough for him. It seems like he still wants to do you know other things and with announcing. So and you know for all 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 right, like he's you know he's the best ever, so or one of the best ever. So yeah, I mean that's a good idea too. I, I like that idea as the babyface authority figure, uh, but don't you know don't make him the focus every episode or. You know, but when you need him and he comes in and he's definitely going to get something over and and uh, that'd be a great idea. I like that idea a lot. Um, um, I just can't wait to see AEW kick off because I'm just so curious to see what they're going to present, how the rest is going to be. I keep hearing sports. I keep hearing Mid-South. But then, you know, we've, we've seen being elite and what they do with all the wackiness and goofiness they do. So, like, how that's incorporated for those fans, you know, those those followers of them, they, they like that, the wacky and goofy style that they do and the fun stuff. So, like, well, how are they going to incorporate that into a serious, right, sports presentation product? That's just really going to happen. Or And, and just, I can't wait. I think it's going to be fun. And, and I always like to see a new company start up and see what they do and seeing uh, what they I got create creatively, you know, on the what they're going to present. I just can't wait. You should check out the road to double or nothing that Cody's like a major part of it. And, you know, cause you mentioned being the elite stuff is kind of silly. This is like the exact opposite of it, which is very serious build sort of inside kind of like uh, more, you know, it's not, it's not completely inside. Cause Cody is still, um, he's still sort of acting, I guess, but mm-hmm. the, the way that they, that they build to stuff, cause it's short too. It's like eight, seven or eight minutes. Um, it's sort of like if you, if you know, their version of UFC countdown in like five minute increments, uh, you know, and one of the main stories is like Cody's trying to, you know, he's trying to figure out who his opponent's going to be. And uh, one of the episodes, <laughs> the guy was like, oh, um, someone's on the line for you. And Cody's like, no, nah, I don't want to talk to him. And so they were kind of like leading to like, this guy wants to have a match with Cody and Cody's like not sure or whatever. But it's it's like pretty serious stuff in small YouTube increments. And and so th- if they, if that's what he's thinking as far as, you know, his ideas, uh, I think you'll have a nice mix of, you know, there's going to be some goofy stuff. Kenny Omega's, uh, you know, he has that personality, but then you're also gonna have the serious stuff with Jericho and you know Cody and 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 they they are they're a little bit more old school in their mentality like that. So I think it'll be a nice mix. But you're right, 
you have you have to have that really strong balance because you can't you can't you can't ask us as fans to take you 100% seriously and then all of a sudden, you know, there's a comedy match with your top guy. <laughs> like it's just it's just not going to make sense. So, all right, so uh let's get to Raw and SmackDown for the road to WrestleMania. Uh one note kind of kicking off the segment is that WrestleMania is going to be in Tampa next year. They love their Florida and uh, they'll be they'll they'll be for uh, WrestleMania 2020. WrestleMania 36 is going to be in Tampa. They're going to make that announcement tomorrow, but I think most people kind of knew this was this was what the deal was going to be. Um okay, so the main points we'll, we'll we'll do Raw first and then we'll do SmackDown second just cuz I had I had the stuff ordered in that way, but uh the shield and roman reigns and seth um can we for, can we forget the stupid shit that dean ambrose did pretty much the whole year <laughs> they, want, they want us to right? <laughs> i mean that's uh i mean it's not the amnesia angle from cactus jack this is what i want i was like i was like man this must be like a bad dream and i just i just like uh, had dreams or nightmares about this stuff this is the stuff that drives people nuts because it's almost like, oh, it's wrestling. They'll get over it. And, you know, but it's like, it's hard to tell these stories about, you know, like where you have a guy that takes a shot at someone's illness and all of a sudden like, hey, let's be friends again because I just want to do it one more time, you know. Um, I thought, I, I think the match is going to be great. You know, I think that six-man tag is going to be a lot of fun. I'm actually looking forward to it. Because um, I thought the six-man tag in the opening Raw was pretty good. So uh, well, let's see. We'll see how it turns out, and what does this mean for Dean and WWE? Is he still leaving? Does he not, or is it just a fake out? Maybe he's never leaving. Um, yeah. but yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. what do you think of the segment? It didn't get like this massive pop, like when they 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 clanged fists together. They did the shield pose. Like, um, it was a good pop, but nothing like. I w- I wonder. I wonder how much of that is because the fans are into Roman as this real life story. And then all of a sudden week two, he's right back into storylines. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. Maybe so. Um, Now, you know, he mentioned, you know, that the whole, the, the build to the segment was Seth thought Roman wanted in on the match and Roman was like, no, that's not really what I want. I want the shield back together. But it, I did wonder, you know, what are they going to do for him for WrestleMania? Like, you have the possibility of him being exactly what you wanted him to be these last couple years, which is this this babyface who gets cheered. But if you put him in just a bad match or you put him in just a nothing match, like, you may lose the opportunity to do what you want to do with him and so it's i think they're in a little bit of a tricky position with him yeah yeah it seems like to me the way they positioned the graphic for the six-man tag match at fast lane is that they put drew as the leader of that six-man team i wonder if they're going to do him and drew mcintyre which i think it's a good match i just i just don't want to see drew losing and i don't know if you should beat roman right now yeah um, I do like the idea of Cena and Roman. Yeah, that that's yeah. why. I mean, that would that would get the big big enough match, 
And, you know, Cena's got that 50-50 stuff as it is. And, you know, I think I think that would be that that feels like a WrestleMania match where John Cena doesn't care. Like he's going to be gone again. So yeah. it would be a great for Roman. And, and then, you know, they get the they get the spot where at WrestleMania, you know, it's a really good match. And John Cena just does the salute to him and walks out. And Roman could, you know, soak up the cheers like that would be such a great moment. It doesn't seem like they're doing that, though. No, it doesn't seem like it at all. But uh, I just don't. I just I, I assume I believe that Seth Rollins is winning defeating Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania so like you need challengers for him yeah and I think Drew is perfect for that role so is Bobby Lashley as well so but I think I would like to see Drew come out of WrestleMania with a big win and, and then go on to you know challenge Seth and then have that but. I mean, Drew. Drew should literally like beat Dean Ambrose in a singles or something to yeah, elevate him for for that. What, what you just said at the next pay per view or whatever. Yeah, that'd be great. Dean would be a good opponent for him. Have a get you know, you know, have him win on the undercard and and, and set up future match definitely. Okay, so the Triple H promo is. Uh, <laughs> A lot, had a lot of people interested. They were kind of wondering if uh, Vince Russo was 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 writing the promo. I actually thought for the for like eighty percent of it, I thought it was really good. And then when he started mentioning people's real names, I thought it got a little silly. And then when you mentioned Ric Flair's son, uh, I was just like, okay, you like you lost me. Like you had the, you had me, and then you just lost me. Like I just fell out. I was like, okay, this is this is ridiculous. Well, the, I mean, the opening like didn't have me. The whole like Reed Flair, the the fake tears, um, you know, talking, you know. But and the Reed Flair thing really kind of, wasn't feeling that. I think you know, I'm not sure about using this as to get this angle over. You know what I mean? I just didn't like that part of it, but. As the promo kept going and going, I thought he finished really well. That was really good towards the end. Um, but I still feel that this match just just doesn't feel organic at all. Like it just feels, if it feels forced to me, you know, yeah. the seal turn by Batista just doesn't. Uh, it feels forced. Him attacking Ric Flair feels forced. Um, I mean, it's just it's just a special attraction on the show and. They're trying to make it some. I don't know, but you know, maybe we'll see how it goes next couple weeks. But I'm still just that's probably like one of the match I'm least interested in seeing. So you know the part that I was most okay, second most frustrated with, like the Reed Flair thing. Just I was just uh, just rolling my eyes. Like I can't believe you guys are doing this right after bringing Roman Reigns back from cancer. Um, is when Dave cuts this like really fun Instagram promo. Like old, like old school heel stuff, right? But it's like, I, what? I, I thought that was great. It was, it was awesome, right? It was yeah. awesome. And then Triple H is like, oh yeah, you're doing the bad guy thing. Oh, you're just making fun of the town. I was like, dude, you just, you just fucked it up. Like, why did you do that? Yeah, yeah. I, you should have sold it. it. Actually, after seeing that little Instagram promo, like, I'm like, fuck. Man, why can't we get like one year of this asshole Dave, Batiste, Big Dave Batista? Right I know. Here, 
Like he'd be such a great heel, and uh, I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought it was great. And you tell that boy's been acting, and he's a good, he's actually <laughs> a good actor, because you know, just the way he finished the the promo, I thought that was really damn good, damn good stuff. And, but but why do you have him do that? And and who knows, maybe he did it on his own. But why do you have them do that, and then have Triple H just like make fun of it and like not sell it at all? Like it just. I was just like, okay, so then why did he, why did you even show it in the first place? I think he's just trying to like, like his, cause his promo was about the facade of big Dave Batista, right? This guy who's, you know, the superstar, but when it came to wrestling, he always end up quitting or something. And, you know, there, he's trying to paint him as like, you know, just, just yeah, like a quitter, right? When you're going get tough, he quit and just nah. I think he was trying to point that. But wait, when did that happen? I'm trying. I'm like trying to think of when he like. Never uh, though. I, I mean, mean, yeah. Like if you're trying to do this reality thing, right? If yeah. you if you're bringing real names in, and you're doing this reality thing, and you know this is Rick's last moment. Like he lives for this stuff, and he was really sick, and it was great. Like if you're doing the reality thing, like at least like he left for movies like he was sick of wwe he's like okay i've done this i'm sick of you know what this business has turned into yeah there's no call back to a uh a wrestlemania 20 where brock is like phone you know tamming it in and right wwe you know something like that so yeah so yeah nothing you could point to i know that was a little he's just trying they're just trying to come up with something and it's a little too inside for the casual audience to get into but uh you know, like I said, I, I just think it just it just seems so so forced, and and it just I'm not, I'm not really looking forward to it. I mean, I hope they have a great match, cause but it's gonna be a long ass fucking show, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so they better have a good match. And uh, I mean, at least Batista looks motivated as hell. Yeah, you know, I think he's really feeling this character, and like I love this this asshole Batista like we mm-hmm. I, I want like a year and a half of asshole Batista please you know I know uh, I kind of hope he sticks around because you know what it kind of reminds me of and, and and in a in a more serious and less shticky way but you remember pre-Wrestlemania 19 where Rock comes back as Hollywood Rock mm-hmm. like that wasn't you know bringing Rock back uh as a heel it was probably not to the best of his drawing ability, but from like a performance standpoint, Hollywood Rock was a lot of fun. He was, I mean, he was, he, like, I had so much fun with Hollywood Rock. And so Batista is doing his version of that, but in like a much more, like, more to his personality, which is a little bit softer speaking, slower speaking, smirking. And so this is his version of that. And, and, and you know, he's, he's, he's going to be really good. I, I'm actually really looking forward to they're, they're going to build, they're going to have a face off on, on Monday. And as long as Triple H doesn't be a dick and sells for him, which I, I think he will, but I don't know, just sometimes he turns into, you know, like old, Triple H from 2009 or whatever, but I, I think it, I think it has a chance to be really good. I'm guessing this is where Batista lays out Triple H, and you know what's funny about that Raw is that they're like Batista in his in his promo, his Instagram promo was like, 
Eh, my show at the Pittsburgh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> then, like, after segment, we have word that Batista will be there. So, like, <laughs> I know. Thanks. I know. I know. Uh, okay, so the in something that didn't make a ton of sense to me, but I, I understand it because they kind of booked themselves in, into a little bit of a corner, which is Charlotte and Becky for the Raw title, uh, which Stephanie McMahon announces neither of them are on Raw, so it's kind of funky. And then they make that match, and they're about to, you know, they're, or they make the announcement, you know, it's for Fastlane. And then Ronda just comes out and is like, nope, still my belt. And and now, and like they just changed, like it just didn't, it wasn't, uh, it almost felt like not well thought out and like super booked into a corner rushed kind of thing. Now, the, you know, it worked because those three women are, are really good, but the writing and sort of the story didn't really do them any any favors when it came to it. Uh, and then Ronda just beats the shit out of Becky. <laughs> like, <laughs> legit, like I was like, man, like someone made her mad, but obviously, you know, she's just really good. But I was just thinking like, man, I, no one should ever make her mad ever. No, man. Poor Travis Brown. He better really, <laughs> really do happy wife, man. He really has to treat her good because, you know, she's a breadwinner. So he <laughs> I'm just joking, but um, you're not really joking, I, but I, I I like the uh I like the segment overall. Um, yeah, it is kind of confusing all of a sudden, you know. But I think they really should have played it up a little more that Ronda's not going to be there. Ronda's vacated the title or something, you know. Or, you know, they just kind of like rushed through it, and it's kind of crazy they rushed through it when they had three hours, <laughs> you know, to really get this over. And, and, but once Rhonda got the mic and started talking to Stephanie, I thought it was great. I mean, we're seeing like real Rhonda, and I like when she say, "I can sneeze and just, you know, basically kill you, you know, yeah. if I wanted to." And then, and like, okay, that's what we want. We want like kill a Rhonda, and we're getting it. And kill a Rhonda, it's like you're either with her or you're against her, right? And and so, and I thought that I mean, I thought the beatdown was great. I like Charlotte's. Um, performance. Even though I think she rushed the like, oh, I'm gonna get in. Oh, nope, not gonna get out. I'm not gonna, you know, not gonna do anything. I'm gonna let Becky get her butt kicked. And they went to it twice. They went to it. She did it a little too soon. She jumped on the apron. And they had her go around towards the, towards the uh, the, the ring announcers and get, you know, get on the apron there by the by the tables over there. So, but I, I liked it. I liked I, I thought that that was a great closing segment. And, Fired up Rhonda, man. <laughs> and so I assume, I'm guessing, I know Becky has to win to get in, but you think that happens? It's just, it's just like, just like, or it's just, just like a throw it out and then just make the match or something. I, what I wonder is, is because Rhonda's been asking for Becky, right? The whole time. She's like, I need Becky to be in this match. I need to go, you know, you need to to put her, uh, you know, to unsuspend her. So I wonder if Rhonda just, like, takes matters into her own hands and just, like, sort of paybacks Charlotte from the kendo stick thing Mm -hmm. and just blasts her and helps Becky win the match and just, just like, the only reason I let you win is because I want to kick your ass the most. Yeah, yeah, that could be it. That could happen, too. 
Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to Fastlane. I'm actually, unlike Elimination Chamber, which, you know, didn't have that big interest. The, the Fastlane, I'm, 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 I'm a little more into, and I'm definitely see what they're gonna do. Because I guess we'll, we'll see. Because WrestleMania is not that far away. So since they continued this story on on SmackDown, um, I had a major problem with Becky, like not even taping the arm up or anything. I was like, God, I've never seen, I haven't seen someone get their get their butt kicked like that on WWE TV in so long, and she just came out with the limp, but no problem with her arm, no mark on her face, nothing like that. They could have at least done her up a little bit. Yeah, you're right. They should have had her arm taped. Um, I like the layout of the SmackDown segment at the end, like when it came to, I love that, I love that Charlotte just smacked her across the face, <laughs> like. Thank God someone's doing that because, like, you know how like wrestling gets so formalic with like they say something, they say, you know, it's, it's just like we see it like a hundred yeah. times a year, right? This time I finally like it's nice to see the heel just punch someone, you yeah, know, or smack someone. So I thought that was cool, and it was funny when they're brawling, and I was like, I seen like a clip of like the with Becky with this armor. I'm thinking like, man, she's gonna have to hit her with the crush to get the advantage here at her Yeah. You know. And sure enough, she hit her with the crutch, Charlotte's crutch, and then she got this armor on. Um I thought that was I thought that was I thought that was cool. I actually I I would have just had the when the rest pull off uh Becky, like they're holding Becky back arm in arm, like she can't you know, I think it would have been kinda cool that Charlotte got up and popped her with the big boot. You know, while the rest were holding her. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of get some, I think I think what they wanted because Becky got her ass kicked on Raw. Yeah, they wanted to get her get her, you know get some steam back and heat back on her, you know. But I kind of like like if you're building heat to that match, I think you know that's why I think something's gonna. I don't think it's as cut or dry as Becky's gonna just win. Like I think it's good. I think you're right. I think you might be. I think you. I think I think Becky. I think Ronda could come out and. Cost shot to Matt because she really wants to kick Becky's ass. Mm-hmm. So some of the other stuff that happened on SmackDown that sort of leads into Fastlane and then and then what's going to happen at WrestleMania. Daniel Bryan got Kofi's name over like crazy. <laughs> like Kofi got the biggest pop the whole night and he wasn't even on the show. They were like in India or something. And uh, and you know the deal they they. They were building towards the fast lane match with Kevin Owens, and they had uh, they had Rowan and Kevin Owens face off in in uh, this, I guess the the last match on the show, not quite the main event segment. Kevin Owens is uh, maybe the least over I've ever seen him in his whole career. It's because you know what it is that the fans are kind of confused because one, he was a heel when he left, he came back. He's basically put in this match by Vince McMahon, who's a heel, but then he's out there cutting a babyface promo like he's trying to be Dusty Rhodes, the common man with mm-hmm. people. But people remember just last week, your boss put you in that position. Mm-hmm. So are you an at? Are you a heel? Are you a babyface? Uh, that's that's why that's why the fans are just kind of like, eh. You know, one they want Kofi. Two, I, I just think they're confused by the whole, the whole idea. Like, if I'm supposed to cheer this guy, or are you genuine? Because we know he's, he's such a good heel that he, he's kind of. I just don't really believe him as a babyface. Um, he looks in good shape, though. I'll give him that. You know, he looks. 
You know, you know what? Um, Definitely a lot slimmer. Yeah, no, he does. He does, and he, you know, he gets to use the stunner. Like, like Jesus Christ, they haven't let anyone use that move in how long? Um, yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> well, Yusina uh, was like kind of using it for a little bit, uh, but um, so I think if if they could kind of step back a little bit and go, okay, what what is really the goal here? Because if you think about it. Kevin Owens is only there so that they could keep Kofi hot. Yeah. And so you're sacrificing a guy who should be one of your main eventers just to help another guy keep his steam. And like if you if you would have told Kevin Owens if you'd have been like, "Look, you're going to come back. We're, we're sacrificing you so that Kofi Kingston can keep his steam until WrestleMania. You're like, what the hell? What WWE did I come back to? Right? Because it is, it's a little bizarre. But they, you know, they had this thing just that you know popped right into their into their hands, and and they're going with it, which is great. But you didn't have to use Kevin Owens for this. You got so many guys on the current roster that aren't doing jack shit that you know you could use in this spot. And so I, I'm just so. I'm just like, why, why sacrifice Owens when, you know, very rarely do you get to the opportunity for a guy who can come back hot and he's gone for a while and the fans kind of miss him and you're sort of building him up to come back and then you just sabotage him because you don't have better plans than, than what's going on. And I, I think that's what's mo- most frustrating. And, and I don't know Kevin Owens at all. I don't know what he would think. But if, if that was me in his spot... That's the way I would look at it, which is like, huh, they're really just sacrificing me to keep Kofi hot. And that wouldn't be the way that you would think that they would bring back a guy who has been in the main event program for the last two years. Well, what was his plan? I mean, he had the fat guy, every man promos. And all of a sudden, well, now Daniel Bryan's promo is basically making fun of his weight again. You know, he's in the best. You know, <laughs> Kevin Owens is the best shape of his life, right? I yeah I I mean I I don't know what necessarily the plan was but it seemed like you know they had a bunch of these vignettes to build up to the return and then they just like oh we we we're just gonna bring them back now yeah yeah uh it's one of those weird things where like you know something is hot and they want to continue to WrestleMania because everything has to happen at WrestleMania I'm not a big I'm not a big fan of that I think you should you know, save certain things and do things at other shows. So makes people interested in other shows, not just, Oh, I think big's going to happen at WrestleMania anyway. So, um, do you think Kofi wins the title at WrestleMania? I think at this point he has to. And I think by, I think if they just kept him in the fast lane match, I don't think he would have won the title, mm-hmm. but now that they're saving him for WrestleMania, I think they kind of have to do it. And, you know, there's so many fans who are like, Kofi deserves this. And I'm like, ah, mate, I, I guess, maybe. Like, I, you know. Deserve what? Like, we, the Brooklyn Brawl deserves the WWE title? <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, even when he was hot, like, he had some hot programs, right? Like, he worked a hot, pretty hot program at Randy Orton. Mm-hmm. But even at his, his peak... Uh, as a singles competitor, I never thought, wow, that Kofi's like one of the best five guys in the business. Yeah. I mean, I would not win, book him to win because I'm like, 
I like the idea of like, there's shit. Some some sports teams never win a championship or mm-hmm. never reach that you know, goal. They always you know, look at the Bills four times and they win the Super Bowl. Like that's like a real sports story. Like, and I still think Kofi can get over losing. I don't think he needs to win a title. I think these 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 stupid like have to have a happy moment. You know, you don't have to have happy moments. Wrestling's not all happy moments. There's some there's some letdowns and. I think he, I think Daniel Bryan is really good right now as a heel, and I think you keep it on him for a while. But I don't know who they put. You know, maybe Gargano goes to SmackDown and finds a home there, and he can chase Daniel Bryan. I'd rather see that. Like seeing Kofi win it and losing it within the next pay per view would just is would not would do worse than would do you know do worse than actually winning it you know like it won't mean anything it's just it's just it's like Zack Ryder winning an intercontinental title at Wrestlemania remember how great that moment was mm-hmm. what a special moment like who remembers that and like no one does because it was like taken away from the next day so I just I just think I just I, just, I think they shouldn't give him the title I think he should have a great performance have a great match and he will because he's good and he's with Daniel Bryan and I think you know, hopefully they can steal the show, and so you know, like just that would be his. That should be Kofi's special moment, like, but not not winning it. Damn. Well, if you do want that moment for him, he can win, and Daniel Bryan just got to win it right back. Like, I mean, you know, I know, but you do that, and and it it, it just defeats what you did. Like, you know, it's like winning is great, but like it's all about the follow up, and it just follow up is him just losing. Yeah, I I agree, and and that's why I wanted him to wrestle at Fastlane because I'm like, you're gonna get in the moment. Daniel Bryan's gonna win. There's gonna be so many like great near falls, and the crowd's mm-hmm. gonna go crazy. And at the end of the day, it's just like, okay, like there there are levels to this stuff, and Kofi is not at that level necessarily. And may, and maybe what happens is is that even in losing, like the fans still want him, and then you just continue to build him back up for that moment when it when it is right. But uh, but yeah, like I I think they've kind of forced themselves to this point where the fans are going to be super mad unless he wins, and mad to the point of like bad mad, like not good mad, where where they're like ah oh, you know. I'm going to go buy a ticket next time because I can't wait to see Kofi win when he deserves it. You know, I think it's going to be yes. bad mad if he doesn't win. So well, they're going to bitch anyways, I guess they'll bitch if he wins. They, and if he doesn't win, they'll bitch if he wins and they take him off, take title off within the month, they're going to bitch about that too. So yep. I guess they're kind of screwed anyway. Yep. Uh, so we don't have to talk about this, but did you see the Usos segment with, uh, with Shane and, and Miz? No, no, I was not doing a chance to see. I just kind of skipped to this, you know, the first segment, and I I watched the the main event segment. They cut a fantastic promo. Like they have this sort of like a a, a tag team style of promo. Yeah, I like it. Almost like the hype man. Yeah, the hype man yeah. Kind of yeah, it's really really good, and I thought that was the best one that they did setting up uh, the match with Miz and and uh, Shane this uh this weekend i wonder what happens because you know we've been talking about this for for the last couple of months which is when are when shane and miz gonna break up and i can't i i, I don't know i don't i don't want to see them split like i i just yeah. i dig the goofiness of their friendship 
of their you know bromance and uh and and i i kind of want to see it continue so you know whatever happens i would love to see them continue this through mania because if you think about it you know if you're the usos and you're still the tag champs you kind of want Shane to be involved because at least you know that your match is going to be pushed and you're not going to end up on the pre-show. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of pre-shows, look at Rey Mysterio and, and uh, Andrade. Like, that's probably, that probably should be the one of the best pre-shows in WWE history, right? I, mean, I know. Now I got to watch. Yeah, yeah. And and I saw that. Uh, I didn't see the match, but I saw the result that Smojo won the U.S. title. He won the U.S. title. Um, cool, but I kind of was into this whole idea of like, our truth as this unlikely U.S. champion <laughs> that kind of somehow, even with the U.S. challenge, always somehow, some way, like by the skin of his teeth, by pure luck, by the his opponents making a huge mistake, like he just w- retains his title. Like I just kind of like the segment last week was so well done, even to the point where the the camera caught our truth and his look on his face, like oh man, I. <laughs> <laughs> I barely pulled that one out of my butt. Like I just thought that I just thought I just think like I I could I could see weeks more of this, you know. And uh, I agree. It's a U.S. title. Who gives a crap, right? It's just, it's not it's not any important. But like I think it'd be an entertaining like part of the show. If, if I, you, I agree. With, I agree with you, and that's why I kind of wonder if Cena comes back in this feud with Samoa Joe. And they, you know, they they thought that Cena and Samoa Joe would be a good match, so thus they have to put it back on him. Because if not, like, man, keep it on our truth. It was, you know, so entertaining, and that you know the unlikely duo of Carmella and Truth, and and mm. he's so, so it works though. Yeah, yeah, and he's so goofy, and yeah, I mean, I I, I was entertained. It's it's one of those things where. You know, you can't. You know, we just talked about AEW using humor and seriousness in the same show. It's good humor, it's yeah. Good humor. You, you could use it. You could do it in that way where where it is. It is a positive to the show. Yeah, yeah, and I just, and like that moment, like you talked about last week, and I thought I just like I fell in love with it. Like U.S. Challenge, who comes? To, who comes to challenge him? Is John freaking Cena? His childhood hero, you know, which is funny because you know our truth is older than John Cena. Yeah, but exactly. like, but like, but what a moment that like. Now you don't do it in three weeks. You do that in maybe three months or yeah. something where it really means something that you know. And, and you, uh, they, they, I, I, WWE always has like these cool little ideas and these moments. They kind of just like they quickly go out, go away from them and and let let it let it play out, let it breathe a little bit, you know, it's like, and then maybe, you know, then Samojo beats him down a few months down the line. Then it really means something, not just on a random yeah. SmackDown before Fastlane. Yeah. Uh, AJ and Randy had a, another small thing where AJ's doing a promo. He's putting Kofi over. He, you know, he, he's basically doing Kofi's promo for himself. And Randy Orton just looks at him and he's like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> look, love that guy <laughs> so he's like no no wonder it took you 15 years to get here <laughs> <laughs> oh man i missed it i have to go back and watch this film i love randy orton man he's the man i think i, I i'm all for aj Styles and randy orton oh, I'm, I, I i i'm gonna enjoy it too i you know they're not gonna have the five-star classic they'll have a they'll have a three and a half three and three quarter star match and it'll be really solid and they'll do their job for what they're supposed to do i'm looking forward to it uh, and then uh, you know Owens and Brian, they're they're heading up fast lane, and 
and um, Mustafa Ali came back tonight, or I'm sorry, last night. So somehow he's back in the mix, uh, and uh, and yeah. So so we'll head to Fastlane quickly. Let's just go over the. Um, well, did you got? We also got to mention how the crowd went mild when Mustafa Ali came out. Yeah, they <laughs> was not was yeah. not great for him. No. Um, okay, so quickly, there's only eight matches on the show so far, at least. So, uh, unless they add another one, but uh, maybe, maybe a couple of them will get some time. So, Usos against Miz and Shane, Daniel Bryan against Kevin Owens, Bailey and Sasha against Nia and Tamina, Asuka against Mandy Rose, and um, you know I think they have their work cut out for them. But I'm just like I'm really pulling for Mandy Rose to show her stuff in this match. Yeah, I think if too. she if she does. They got something like, and you have the perfect opponent for her, um, you know, the best woman in the whole company. So, um, the Shield against Baron Corbin, Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, Charlotte against Becky, the Revival against Aleister Black and Ricochet against Chad Gable and Bobby Roode. Sort of like the uh, the the match that, if they give it enough time, could be you know kind of like that 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 match that steals the show in a sense I, I just wonder if they'll sort of let it but uh, i wonder if gable and rude are in the champa gargano spot yeah maybe because why did champa and gargano beat the revival as right, well right like, right yeah that yeah. that that's probably that's probably what it is actually. please be on the main show because i'm not gonna watch the pre-show no 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 i and think then... i think this is the main it's a main show match good i hope they get some time because those, those guys are all great and uh they'll have a they'll have a they should have a show stealing match they get the time and and and, and able to do what they can do and that should be fun I, li- I like this card you know and then we mentioned mysterio and andrade in the pre-show um okay <laughs> so uh so let's go to our raw uh our raw 1993 segment we are at episode nine, and episode nine is March fifteenth, nineteen ninety-three. It looks a little different from the first eight shows because they are in Poughkeepsie, New York, at the Mid Hudson Civic Center. Now, I'm not a hundred percent sure what happened, but I mean, we can kind of put some of the pieces together. So, Bobby Heenan, Gorilla Monsoon, and Rob Bartlett playing Vince McMahon are the commentators. They mention the big blizzard of 1993. Uh, it's actually been also called the storm of the century. Uh, I looked up, uh, I was trying to follow like what was really going on. There was like 10 million households lost electricity. Uh, WWE canceled four shows in that week. And Vince is at Michael Landon's leukemia awards dinner so the reason well i don't know if this is the exact reason but we mentioned this at the end of uh of the last show which is that lots of bad stuff is also happening for vince <laughs> like he's been hit he's getting hit with lawsuits uh though he was sued by the ultimate warrior it's it's actually dropped uh because lawyer warrior was like something about his lawyer um, there's a there's a lawsuit that they actually file a lawsuit against Phil Mushnick for a lot of the stuff that Mushnick had been writing. Um, you remember the story about uh, Rita Rita Chatterton, who was like the first female referee, and mm-hmm. she goes on Geraldo the previous year, and basically says that Vince 
you know, sexually abuse her or something. And, um, and so then they also go on the offense on Geraldo and they sue Geraldo, Rita, and then Dr. D. David Schultz is somehow figured into this. And, um, then Bill Eady and, and Randy Cully, they, there's something going on with the rights to demolition and them creating the gimmick and Vince supposedly, you know, owing the money. So Vince is like, like he's out and about in the public media in a bad way. And, you know, he, he actually has a statement and he uses that same statement that Hogan used uh, in his comeback interview where he says it's tabloid terrorism. And so, uh, so now backtrack to the, to where Vince was during this raw, since he's not on the show is during this awards dinner, uh, he gets some sort of award uh, and uh, Hogan, Randy Savage, Jim Duggan, Jimmy Hart, and Mean Gene are all there. Hogan is the presenter. And Hogan says something to the effect of, you know, before this, Vince was my friend. And after this, Vince is my hero. <laughs> so they are like, it's just trying to present Vince in a in a much better light because the publicity that is out there is so negative around, you know, the steroids and around the... Um, the Donahue stuff with, you know, the the uh, the homosexuality and the child abuse and all that stuff. And, you know, Mushnick is continuously just blasting him on that stuff. So that's where Vince is. And they even played the video. You saw the video at the end of the show where it was all about the charities and, and WWE, uh-huh. the wrestlers. You know, Macho Man is telling people... Um, you know, not to use drugs, and and nasty boys are saying, you know, if if you if you smoke, you're uncool, and so at the end, there's like this thing where they 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 finally show that Vince is president of the company, and it just shows him smiling, and he's like the guy behind all this good stuff, and that was so weird. Uh, I don't I don't remember when I actually knew that Vince was was running the whole ship. But, like, if you didn't know, they sure as hell told you right at the end of the show. Yeah, that it's, I mean, when I watched that segment, I'm like, okay, this is definitely trying to boost the image of the WWE, Vince McMahon in particular, and all this stuff, you know. So, it was, I mean, as probably back then when I watched it, I didn't even pay any attention to it. Now, like, looking back, you're like, oh, this, this, this is the dirtiness of the wrestling <laughs> business right here. <laughs> Uh, but, but yeah, it's funny. I, mean, I I learned that Vince McMahon was the head of WWF, like some random magazine that had a picture of him and Hogan, and and it said like the owner of the WWF. And I'm like, oh, the owner of WWF. and I like, you know, I, I thought he was just a you know, play by play guy, and then yeah. all of a sudden find that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, me too. Um, okay, so again, I'm not exactly sure why they're not at the Manhattan Center and they're at the. Um, the uh, the mid the mid Hudson Civic Center. It, it could be that you know because there was a lot of snow, uh, maybe they had to move the show, or maybe you know this was just a taping that they were doing, and and uh, and, and you know I I, I don't know I, I'm well they 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 said that some wrestlers that are, didn't make it and these and then the wrestlers are competing tonight or something like that right they made mention of that yeah yeah so. Uh, as I uh, as I dig through future observers, maybe it'll come up, and then we can correct, you know, exactly why. 
Um, the other thing that we need to correct is I think last week when we were talking about Phil Apollo, we got him mixed up with Ray Apollo, who was that? Who was the one that was doink, and and Phil Apollo was the one with uh, world class championship wrestling. So just wanted to correct that. Our our buddy in in the um, in the fight game uh, podcast facebook group nick mcmood he's he corrected us so thanks nick and it was just i mean it's not that you didn't know i know that you knew you just mixed the names up but um okay so so the beginning of this show is razor ramon who's coming back from knee knee surgery this is his first match back from i think he did an interview segment on one of the earlier shows that we reviewed and uh before his match with bret hart at royal rumble i believe and so he, I think this is his first match since then, and he looked awesome in this match. Man, he's like he's doing, um, you know, for such a big guy. Like he does, he does a choke slam. He does like that back suplex from the top rope, and of course he does a razor's edge. But you know, Ross Greenberg, who we've seen before, uh, <laughs> you know, just just taking everything. Now as Russ Greenberg, I think he was this week, right? Oh, was he? Was he? I, I, I don't, I don't so. know. Um, but anyway, I was just like, wow, Razor, Razor looks like fresh. Like he looks like, you know, he's ready to go again. I really like the squash match. Yeah, no, he's good. I mean, you know, Scott Hall always looked cool and Razor on my gimmick was, was, was always a, a great gimmick and his offense always looks damn good. Like, you know, the, the fall away slam and I always thought like, Man, you got to take you have to take the back suplex off the top, and then you got to take the razor as edge. I know. But, uh, he you know, he protects them really well, and, and uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was good, nice nice squash match, and good to have Razor back, and looking forward to his more ma- you know, more matches on these upcoming Raws. So during the match, I think it's Gorilla who says that he's going to face Backlund at WrestleMania, but then when uh, when Mean Gene did his report. They didn't announce this match, so I wonder if Gorilla like gave it away before they wanted to announce it. Um, Backlund will, will also also wrestles in in what I guess is the main event of the show. Well, no, second second to the to the top. Nasties and Head Trickers the main event, um, and so Typhoon, who we last saw, I think he lost to Bam Bam. Uh, he faces a guy by the name of L. A. Gore. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't recognize who this guy was. Just a, a, a jobber. I mean, I, I've seen him on plenty of Raws around this time frame, and I think it's in WS stuff from this time frame. And also, I think he did some. I think he might have done some NWA stuff, but yeah, because that name Ellie Gore is just always stuck out. When I saw it, when I saw him, I'm like, oh my god, Ellie Gore! I remember <laughs> that guy. But Typhoon, talk about being inspired. Like he's kind of. You know, maybe he was happy he's he's back on the winning streak or on the winning uh, side. But I thought I thought he looked really good compared to uh, that match, the previous match that we saw him with. Like he, he I mean, he even got some elevation on that big splash at the end. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, that, I mean, this is like uh, I was like, wow, Typhoon, he, he ate his Wheaties day or something. Well, you know, he's, he's motivated. He's getting a win on TV. They, they like that. If, if it's. True, what they said earlier. A lot of guys didn't make it, so they're not filling time. And you know, Typhoon at this point in time is on his last run with WF because he'll be soon going to WCW and making a great entrance. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, he looked good. And that flare for the gold. And that splash always looked good. So yeah, 
was good. It was good. I don't know. I, I, like was... I, I just felt like he like got higher than like I just, for whatever reason. I was like, wow, he got high on that. Um, what did you think of Heenan and Monsoon back together again? Oh, it was great, but then you had that one asshole ruining everything. Oh my god! It's I, like, I, it, no, do you know it's funny? I think Gorilla really did. I don't. I, okay, maybe he wasn't a shoot, but he like told him to. Will you just be sh- be quiet? Like he's like, he used to, it just seemed like Gorilla was really frustrated. But maybe he was just working. But I mean, I believed it. I thought he was in the. You know, he was just getting really frustrated. It, it was going too long. This whole Vince, the imposter Vince thing was just uh, the whole for a whole hour is ridiculous. I know, I know. The, when 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 you have to continually play people other than yourself, that doesn't say a lot for your uh, your broadcasting career on this show. <laughs> um, okay, so Heenan does an interview with Harvey uh, Harvey Whippleman, and Giant Gonzalez gets like one line in at the end. He just has to look there and look menacing and crack a smile and whatever. Um, Building up, obviously, to the match with The Undertaker. <laughs> it is, uh, I think they relied on Heenan to, you know, to, to be a little funny, but Whippleman's the one, you know, he's just cutting a promo and Heenan just staying there. So it was almost like a waste of Heenan. Like, I would have rather them, you know, brought someone else out. But, you know, like we said, they didn't have a lot of guys there and and, and some of them were with Vince. But, uh it's just like oh, I was waiting for Heenan to do something funny or cool, and it was just like yeah. he just standing there. Well, he had his moment before, like that weird going to commercial break, like he didn't know where he's supposed to be. And yeah, the floor director is not giving the right cues, so he's really upset. I thought that was I thought that was kind of funny. Um, they probably want they didn't want Gorilla the interview because he's a tall guy himself. So yeah, I think he would. You know, he wouldn't be as not tall as obviously as George Gonzalez, Giant Gonzalez, but like, you know, he still, they, they much prefer the smaller Bobby Heenan to be next to him and make, you know, this to get over how big Giant Gonzalez is. And you can't send Rob Bartlett up there because, you know. It's Todd, Todd, Pet, Todd Pettengill's not with the crew. You could have said Todd out there. Yeah, Todd. Yeah, man. Where's Ray, Ray Rougeau? We saw him earlier. <laughs> yeah. What's you know, you know, you know who's uh, who's about to leave as well. At least in 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 the Observer, there was talk about him leaving. Was uh, Sean Mooney? Oh yes, I miss Sean Mooney. I used to love those segments with him, uh, the Event Center and stuff like that. I, I, I got to I see. I got to see Sean backstage at Wally Mania last year <laughs> and it was it it was like it wasn't I wouldn't say it was weird but it was like almost like unreal in a sense because he has, he has that distinct voice and and when he started talking I just kind of like like I don't know tw- uh, you know 25 years like just flashed before my eyes, I was like, "What? <laughs> this you're voice?" About, you think about the events that everybody's just ordering a Jack and Coke at the bar. Uh, or, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just t- you know, just getting getting a wine spritzer, or whatever he got. But um, yeah, so he, like that voice, it's still just just very distinct and very cool voice that he has. And you know, I think he did. I think he, I want to say he like emceed the uh, Wally Mania or what, or or it did something like that. But yeah, just seeing him in the back was was pretty surreal. Because I mean, he looks pretty much the same but obviously he's a lot older but he doesn't re- he didn't really look older outside of like you know the the gray the grayish hair but it was it was mm-hmm. kind of cool i was like wow sean mooney that, that that was kind of a cool moment looking looking at 
Jigazaws. I'm just like, who thought this outfit was a good <laughs> idea? Like, he's not a fat guy, so nope. why are you trying to cover him up? Like, you know, he looks in good shape, you know? It's just... And they're, I know they're trying to get over the, what, Neanderthal, I guess, look, or whatever the hell they're trying to do, but... Yeah, I mean, just... aren't they basically telling us he's, like, Bigfoot? <laughs> like... Yeah, 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 that's... But it's... They messed up on him. They messed up on him. And it's funny, just recently on um, Friends with this gentleman named Chris Owens, who's like the historian for Andre the Giant. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he does have all this stuff. He always posts stuff about Andre on Facebook. And, and there was an article from like wrestling magazines, like, who's better? And it was like, you know, you know Eligante or Andre the Giant. People were chiming in. And I wrote like, you know what? George tried. You know, he wasn't a wrestling fan. He was a basketball player that injured his knee. And they suggested that he try wrestling. With the, You know, he was the Atlanta Hawks. They tried, he tried wrestling. And he, he did it. And he did it with enthusiasm. He did his best. Um, I think he wasn't as bad as a lot of people. You know, a lot of people, you know, especially in WWF, I thought, he, I thought they protected him pretty well. But WWF, when he got WWF, he should have been the gentle giant. You know, they should have kind of slowly built him up and and then turned him heel. But mm-hmm. he came out and, oh, man, that, that the outfit just killed him off the bat, right? It's just, I mean, even 1993, how silly that looked. I mean, even, as, even me as a freshman in high school, I was like, Come on, guys! You're mm-hmm. not trying to tell. You're not gonna try to sell me on this. I mean, it looked ridiculous on Ultimate Warrior for SummerSlam '92. This, you know, you know, muscle painted outfit. Now you're gonna put this on this, you know, seven foot seven guy. I mean, it's, it's stupid. Yeah, yeah, not. Uh, it, you know, it's over overproducing, right? Like over creating. Mm-hmm. Uh, WWE. I know that's WWE back then. In '93, it's still about the characters and, and the colorful stuff but ah, it's just that was a, that was that was a miss big misfire so what'd you think about the hogan package for uh for wrestlemania that bret hart is mentioned at the end of it but this <laughs> yeah. thing is all also. all about hogan <laughs> yeah 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 they, yeah um i thought the who produced this segment like <laughs> the video of hogan flexing in some poorly lit backdrop it just yeah, it's like so... a silhouette. You're, it was like, oh, who's behind this silhouette? I mean, WWE, yeah, like WWE, WF, whatever. WWE, WF, like always has like really well produced stuff, and like this segment actually looked kind of indie to me, right? Okay, so you, here's another thing that's kind of silly, right? Is who's the guy with the posing gimmick currently on on, on Raw? It's not Hogan, it's Luger. So now yeah. Hogan basically does the posing gimmick in this video and you're like oh sorry lex kind of kind of stole your shine there buddy and it's you can tell it's like you know now that we got hogan back it's time to just put him front and center which i mean i think you and i would do the same thing right because you know he's the most marketable guy you have on your on your card and you try to sell those WrestleMania tickets but it just kind of sucks for and also the wwf titles on the line very <laughs> hard Yokozuna. So the there there was a line in this thing where they're hyping Hogan up, you know, the return of Hulk Hogan. He's filled more arenas than oh, Ali, yeah. Foreman, and Sugar Ray combined. Which, if you add up all the 
the the you know the shows that he's done that's absolutely correct but in no way is he even close to the star that an Ali or a Sugar Ray were in their sport you know so that I thought that was a, that was an interesting way to try to make him seem better or bigger stars than those guys yeah Vince is going after boxing for some reason right there that's like weird that's a weird moment uh, and so uh, Papa Shango gets Bob Backlund, which is kind of weird um, because they're they're trying to put back. I know last week you were like, oh, yeah, I thought the pop for Backlund was 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 good. This this time Gorilla goes, it's a standing ovation for Backlund. <laughs> and like nobody is even reacting for him, um, which, you know, sucks for sucks for for Bob. But uh, I don't even know why he would say that. And um but the the one line that Bartlett got me on, I, I was trying not to laugh at his stuff because I was I was uh, bothered with it. But he he said that Backlund looks like a younger Mickey Rooney, and then I thought, you're right, he does. He does. He does. <laughs> that was a good that was a good one. And then I laughed. Uh, I thought the the matches was pretty good. Bob looked good. Uh, Papa Shango looked good. I'm trying to remember anything else stuck out in this match. But uh, I just remember, like, well, we just saw Papa win, Papa Shang win the squash. Now he's losing to Bob Backlund the next week. I know, I know. But uh, they're short staff, I guess. Um, it, it was good. I still think Papa Shango is just, that character just came on too late. You know, it definitely should have been more in the 80s. And I guess definitely see him do a little house tour tour with Hogan. But uh, he, he's, I think he's, no, he's not gone. I think he actually ends up going to. They send him to Memphis, and I think he does all that stuff in the summer. The and USWA, he, WF. And then he is, is that when he comes back as Kama? Kama, I want to say is ninety four, right? I think it's ninety four, or the spring of ninety four. I think the Ultimate Fighter, Kama. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so uh, so Backlund wins with small package. Like I said, Gene does the the Mania report, um, and you know they don't announce any new matches. They basically go over the same ones, um, and then. Uh, but what he does mention is that the, it is the world's largest toga party. <laughs> he says that he is going to be in a toga. He says that Gorilla and Bobby and Randy will be in togas, and then later in the show, Bobby says something to the effect of. I don't want to wear a toga because they're going to screw with mine and like mine's going to be like see-through or something like that. And then Gorilla goes, I would love to see that. I was like, really? That's your line? <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? Um, and so then, uh, and so then, uh, yeah, like I said, they, they didn't mention Razor and Backlund in the Mania Report, even though Monsoon said it during the, the Razor match. So main event, Nasty Boys and the Head Shrinkers, no Afa, and uh, goes to a double count. I thought it was a really fun match. It was like, uh, you know, back in the day when they were doing primetime wrestling, you'd have this t- a tag team match like this, and they would do lots of long spots because they have, you know, they had two hours to fill versus one hour, and they'd be, you know, house show matches essentially. And, um, you know, lots of long selling and. And teasing the hot tag seemingly forever, but this match was just all action. I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was good. It was uh, I think one of the 
better babyface nasty boy matches. And then, you know, Fatu and Samu are, are always so good. I, I used to love the SSTs, Wellness Watt team, and, and I enjoyed the head shrinkers. They're, they're a lot of fun. I ended up being like a wild, wild brawl. Well, the one thing I didn't understand is why was there food <laughs> where they, where they went? Like, what was the food there for? Oh, it's like, it's like, you know, people could make fun of WCW with their fake concession stands. It's basically the same thing, right? It's yeah. like they wanted their own, like, concession stand brawl. It just looked so out of place. Like, like no one's going to no one can reach that concession stand. <laughs> I know. It's such an awkward area. And, and, like, it, it ended in like a non-important thing because i don't think they follow up on it mm. and so you know it was just it was just sort of like a way to end the show i guess that you know just we need to get out of here so yeah we need to show this it. we need to show this vince mcmahon video hurry up guys exactly just a way to end the show and 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 you know just yeah didn't want to no, didn't want to beat either team and just have a, like a wild ball so uh so we we talked about in previous episodes, uh, Kerry Von Erich has passed away. Andre the Giant has passed away. And this week, the week of this Raw, Dino Bravo is murdered, like, gang style. Yeah, yep, shot as he's sitting there watching TV in his home, right? Drive-by shooting. Yeah, like, seven, like seven times. Like, they just... they just Unloaded. Kept, yeah. Yeah, because um, he was part of that, um, with the uh, tobacco... Uh, underground scene or something like that. He was, you know, selling it some kind. Of, they owned the mob somehow, and got they got him. So, uh, Jim, like I said, Jim Ross was kind of there. He was in backstage at one of the tapings. He's not officially released from his contract. I think one of the things they want to do is he was doing a radio show, which was heavily promoted by WCW. And they basically are like, okay, you can't, you like, we don't want you to do this show anymore if you're not going to be with us. So we'll let you out of your contract, but you got to give up the show. And like that was one of the the this, the things. And I guess um, I guess Bill Shaw is the one who had to sort of sign off on on his release papers. And something there's something going on like he wasn't around or something. So so Ross is like kind of stuck in between. But he was at the WWE taping that weekend and. As we know, he will show up on uh, at WrestleMania. Um, a couple of other people coming in uh, around WrestleMania, or actually post-WrestleMania, is Luna Vachon. She's going to come in. Uh, Brian Clark. And is this, is he coming in as Adam Bomb here? I believe so, yes. I think he, has start, I think he starts in 93. I really liked, I really liked Adam Bomb for like two months. I thought Adam Bomb was awesome the same here i thought he had a cool look and everything and then then they turn a baby face and they do nothing with him yeah and also the smoking guns are about to come in yep yep and they end up being a you know doing really well especially billy gun yeah and uh, next week i believe is uh andre goes into the hall of fame i think he's what the first person in their wwe hall of fame Yes, yes. So I think that I think that's kind of the sell of uh, of next week's show. So episode ten, which we will get to next week. Um, I think we're done here. So uh, we will uh, 
We will recap Fastlane next week. Talk about, you know, in our Road to WrestleMania segment, we'll recap Fastlane and go over, you know, what's going on. Uh, because after after Fastlane, I think there are only, gosh, would there only be three weeks left of TV? I believe so. Yeah, I think so. Because they're filming next Wednesday. They're filming three weeks of NXT, I believe. So, yeah, and, you know, we got to figure out what we're going to do when we're in New York because I fly out Tuesday, you fly out Wednesday, so maybe we just have to, like, record it in person one of those nights or something. Wow, maybe after have, have a few drinks. <laughs> That'll be a wild show. It'll be awesome. We'll, we'll, get, we'll, guests and... we'll, get, we'll get the Heartbreak Kid in there. We'll get uh, Dave Dutra. <laughs> A few other surprise guests. Yeah, she, know. she she kind of turned on me on Twitter, and I don't even know why. Oh, man. I don't know why either, but that's cool, man. We'll, we'll hang out Missy. We'll, we'll, we'll probably, hopefully we'll see Cornette. You never know. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would, wouldn't that be the best? Like, imagine if it's like me, you, Big Dave, Jim Cornette, Missy Hyatt, like that'd be like the dream hangout. Dude, I'll just sit there and listen and <laughs> chime in when I can. But and then we have to have Heartbreak Kid Ruby right by our side. Oh yeah, happens, oh yeah, oh yeah, sure, absolutely, absolutely. All right, man. Uh, so we're done here for John. I'm Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out. <laughs>